we'd given up on relaxing. No more sightseeing, we were focused on this mystery of the Foeman of Steel. John was eager to get to the bottom of this quagmire of narcissism and machismo. I was more worried that with all of that ego, there'd be no trace of the blue boy scout we were looking for. One way or another, we were on the case. Hi, I'm Matthew. And I'm John. And we're the DC Detectives. It's our job to go back through the annals of DC history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from the start to every reversible finish. Alright, Superman, Action Comics, number 7, December 1938. We were talking about this earlier, though, I made a note of it. We, this will come up in the issue. Daily Star is the paper that Superman writes for. That's a big deal, because we were talking about it being the Daily Globe in the mm-hmm. Batman issues and whether or not this was crossing over. It is the Daily Star now for Superman. However, Superman is still around before Batman. It has time to cross over, but regardless, it's a big note on my note page, and I want to get that out of the way before I forget about it. Do you have it underlined or something? I do. I have it underlined in all caps (laughs) for my own writing, which is impressive. So we open up with Clark being bullied in the Daily Star offices, which is kind of a big deal because Clark is having that, like, hey, you got something on your tie thing happening to him, and it just, this guy Curly is just being a dick to Clark in a very mean way and that's it that's like four panels of Clark being bullied it's unfortunate it's reinforcing the idea that Clark Kent is a nobody although I'm going to make the argument as we get further in throughout these six issues not only is he kind of not just like a wuss but genuinely a bad guy yeah he's not looked well upon by everyone else in the office because no one actually goes to stop it well, that's true. It, they say you shouldn't. Is, they say yes. you shouldn't, but no one actually goes to reinforce that he shouldn't. So really, it, at the end of the day, it's not not going well for Clark. In Lois's defense, she does sort of condemn it, but nothing more than that. Nothing more than saying you're an asshole, Curly. Yeah. Regardless, Superman goes to his editor. His editor says, "Hey, there's a new circus in town. Go report on the circus. It'll get your mind off of things, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So Clark goes to the circus. He goes to the owner's cart. And he overhears an argument inside wherein a guy has been loaning money to the owner and kind of wants to buy the owner out of the circus because it's not been getting a lot of business. So he's not having any of it. He says, hey, get out. I can turn my circus around. I don't need your help. I don't need nobody. And the guy leaves. And Clark goes in. Strong, independent circus owner? Yeah, I'm a strong, independent circus owner. And Clark goes in and says, hey, uh, I'm a reporter. Would you like to make a statement for your new, uh, for your circus? Maybe get some business? And the guy goes, sure, I'm gonna, I've am i got like several hundred attendants ready to handle such a big crowd. And we were, making, we were talking about this earlier where that's a lot of attendants that you could probably be spending money on other things. Granted, this is in the middle of the tail end of the Great Depression, so presumably labor is relatively cheap, especially for being an usher, but... Man. Still, you're running a circus, several hundred attendants is still several hundred people that you're paying per day to do things. Mm. And that's impressive. And, of course, there aren't people there that night for those several hundred attendants to deal with. Clark is in the audience at about three Actually, or four Actually, we don't people. even see any of the attendants. There's at least someone really? else. Okay. There's at least one other person if one of those people is Clark in the audience. So, there's... Mm at least five people in that audience which is sad because even the clown is like really depressed about that he's like how am i supposed to be all happy and clown if there's no one in the audience for me to work off of and you're just like that sucks bro so clark goes home changes into his superman garb where he's got yellow boots that's different yellow boots for clark is not okay but regardless clark goes back to the circus afterwards and says hey look i'm you know here to help you drum up business for your circus and the guy says bullshit you're freaking crazy 
get out of my cart, pulls a gun on him, shoots at Clark. Clark, of course, is unharmed, crushes the gun, and then proceeds to go display feats of strength to prove that he is Superman. And it's worth noting, Superman is initially mistaken for a burglar in this, which is... A very flamboyantly dressed burglar, might I add. A very flamboyantly dressed burglar who, just last issue, was merchandised to the Seven Suns. Gasoline, cars... Uh, he had a song. Yes, this guy would probably have heard of Superman due to the amazing feats that have been done. However, I don't know if he'd have a visual recognition or at least enough knowledge of Superman to be like, oh, you must be Superman, purely because this is a traveling circus, and I'm going to say that he probably has heard of Superman, but he probably doesn't really recognize him. Because I'm going to say after that guy got arrested, they probably pulled all those ads down because they were lies. Yeah, we're, Superman never we're, really we disagree that. a little bit on this point, but uh, we, we agree on the core concept that, that it, Superman as a concept point, yeah. would be rec- recognized. At least, the name would have at least have been passed around mm-hmm. from town to town. Uh, so after Superman displays a feat of strength, which is essentially busting up that cart that the guy was in and showing him, like, yeah, I'm totally Superman, and, like, drop kicks it into nowhere. Hopefully it doesn't hurt anybody, because that's <laughs> extremely rude. Should we put a ding? Ding for the dead cart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Superman is now believed to be Superman. The guy says, sure, yeah, we'll totally do this. He takes out an ad in the newspaper saying that Superman is going to be at the next show. The bad guys see this and they're like, oh, crap, that's the reverse of what I wanted. So him and his henchman Niles go down to the circus. Lois, of course, sees the newspaper and goes, oh, I gotta be there. Books it down to the circus. Everyone's getting kind of rowdy because they want to see Superman and they're not impressed by the regular circus. Rude. Very rude to not appreciate the performers that are here. And so rude are they that they are booing the strongman who has been brought out. To be fair, they brought him out when they said they were going to bring out Superman. Right, so it's not exactly Superman there, but they are booing this poor guy who's just trying to do his job, which is lift things. Superman shows up in a flying feet off of a trapeze looking like he's about to fall. After making everybody wait. Like, this is Superman kind of standing off to the side while everybody gets really tired of the opening act, and then, bam, swaggers Good. in. Good, yes, they're hungry for the S. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Give me a minute here. <laughs> but it's worth noting. No, you're not getting away from that for a while. <laughs> No, I can sequester it. I can quarantine it. <laughs> S is the mind killer. <laughs> I will allow the joke to pass through me, and where it has been, nothing will remain. Only I. Oh, <laughs> okay. uh, we're adults. <laughs> no, no, no. According Anyways. to certain states, we are. <laughs> states of mind or... Legal states. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But uh, it's worth noting, we traditionally think, these days, of Batman as being the master of their dramatic entrance, the... The flare, the the lightning behind, coming in with the cape drawn over his mouth. But here Superman has the swagger to make people wait. And just at the moment where they're about to be angry, bam. Yeah, what a jerk. What a jerk. So Superman proceeds to do a bunch of really awesome feats like juggle a strongman and also pick up an elephant, which Matt made the point of saying that even with his ability to lift up an, an elephant one-handed from below... He's probably hurting the elephant due to the amount of force that's being exerted into that single location. Which, that's unfortunate. Poor elephant. Uh, But it also doesn't matter because there's a drunk guy in the audience who's talking about pink elephants again. Because we keep having this recurring theme that people can't believe their eyes when they're seeing Superman. So, Lois and uh, the bad guys are done after the circus is over. The bad guys go back to plot and plan. And the main bad guy says, hey, 
Niles, go back to the circus. Wreck it. So the bad guys are going to do some sabotage while Lois is trying to get into Superman's dressing room in a very, very inappropriate thing. She's, of course, rejected from getting into his dressing room because that's what you do is you don't let strangers into people's dressing rooms for privacy's sake. Lois says, that's bullcrap. I'm going to sneak in and I'm going to wait for him in his dressing room when he shows up for work the next day. Super stalker. Super stalker, not okay. So she crawls into the tent like she used to when she was a little kid, as she says, and sees a prowler. In this panel that you pointed out looks a lot like Garfield without Garfield. She is occupying a third of the panel, maybe half. Uh, the other half is just completely empty, except for her word bubble. And the caption specifically says that she sees a prowler. But so there's she's nothing just on this panel but her and a green background. Um, the prowler she sees is Niles, and Niles sees her, grabs her while he's doing his sabotage, and cracks the dog that looks like a goat. Sees him. Cracks. cracks. Such a dumb name. C-R-A-X. If I get a dog, I'm going to name him Cracks. Like, it's like a Conan the Barbarian or He-Man name, and it's so goofy. Niles, like a bad guy, kicks Cracks because Cracks is barking at him, and then takes Lois, who has fainted, brings her back to his boss. His boss is like, you're dummy. Now what are we going to do with her? So, they hold on to Lois while they go back to the circus the next day to see the show, and the lion gets loose at the show. Of course, Superman deals handily with the lion, puts him back in his cage. He saves a woman whose trapeze lines have been cut, and he also saves the big top tent from toppling over. Because Niles had sawed part of it to collapse. I like, I like how thorough Niles was as a saboteur. He did like three things. Yeah. He didn't just do one thing very badly or very terribly. He did like three awful things. And he timed them perfectly. Yeah. All of this happens within panels of each other. It's not like midday one happens and three hours later another. He is the ultimate uh, cat burglar. He, yeah, he, he planted a lot of anarchy in a very short amount of time. So if that lion had still been going around, that woman had fallen off a trapeze and the big top ten had Collapsed, there would be a lot of chaos happening. Yep. Superman stops that. Thankfully, Cracks is okay right now because Cracks notices Niles and, and starts barking at him. Superman knows that, of course, dogs know evil <laughs> and goes to save uh, Cracks from the bad man and gets Niles and says, Hey, what do you know about this? What's going on? Are you, is this your fault? Throws Niles into the air and then catches him again in a very like, Hey, don't you want to be scared? Chucks him in the air with super strength and then grabs him again. We argued a little bit about whether or not. He should die from that. I think he should, but you seem to think that Superman has the ability to catch people and slow their descent. He is depicted so many times as catching things falling at a high velocity without them having difficulty or any kind of uh, destruction. I have to imagine there's something there. Either he is timing it perfectly with like rolling with the impact or something. Maybe maybe he just has some degree of antimatter control. Maybe he's got, uh, what is it, dust? Uh, Tactile telekinesis that hmm. Superboy has later on? I think so. I think you're right. Regardless, Niles gives up everything. Tells Superman where to find his boss and to find Lois. Superman races off to find them. The guy, you notice the Superman jumps through the window, shoots him several times. The bullets bounce right off. He faints, like most men do when encountered with a real man. And <laughs> That is a running motif, and it's it gets back into that weirdness of... Every enemy of Superman gets humiliated. Right. Lois tries to thank him for saving her life, but Superman just says, Some other time! And bounces out. Just jumps out the window. Doesn't want to hear anything about Lois. Superman's back at work the next day. It's Clark Kent. Curly starts to mess with him. Superman thinks, This is alright, Curly. Your number's up. And while Curly is distracted, Superman hides in a room and just pulls all of Curly's clothes off in one fell swoop like a magician, and Curly is in his underwear in front of everybody. Like a bad dream! <laughs> so, Action Comics, number 8, January 1939. Happy New Year. Superman, 
rather, Clark Kent is at a hearing for a young man who seems to be uh, being sentenced as a juvenile by the court of law. His mother is there pleading for him, saying that he's a product of his environment. It's a very bad neighborhood that they live in. He has very few opportunities, and he's just doing what he can to survive. Uh, Clark agrees with her, but he knows the justice system is not going to listen to her pleas. But, however, with his acute hearing, first mention that Superman has better than average hearing, he hears the young man's friends arguing about what they're going to do to the guy that they think set their friend up. And so he's going to tail them to find this guy who made this poor young man turn to a life of crime. He jumps, finds them as Superman, and watches these young men who are drawn very decidedly like adult men. Yes. When they are not they drawn are next ripped. To, When they are not drawn next to adults, they look like adults, but then when they're drawn next to adults, they look like wiry, weedy children. It's very strange. They, they're just buff They dudes. look like longshoremen. Yeah, they do. They look like sailors or longshoremen. Very, yeah. very true. So they're threatening their their boss, Gimpy, by saying, like, hey, why didn't you buy a lawyer for him? Why didn't you give us the money so that we can get a lawyer for him or we're going to, you know, beat you up? He says, hey, I'll give you the money. Here are three jobs to do. You do the jobs. You'll have the money for your friend. They go on their way. Gimpy, though, tries to call the cops to set them up, get them arrested. Superman shows up, crushes the phone, and just beats the bejesus out of Gimpy and then throws him into a tar vat that Gimpy just has in his room. So you think it's pine tar? Well... It's the only thing I can think of because if it's asphalt, then it's actually like 100 degrees centigrade yeah, or boiling uh, maybe 100 degrees Fahrenheit. I, I, one way or another, really damn warm. Boiling and letting off noxious fumes into mm -hmm. what appears to be Gimpy's basement yeah, lair. Yeah, yeah, it's an enclosed area. Whereas if it's pine tar, that is apparently what was mostly used uh, with tarring and feathering. So I assume it's something like that. But well, I don't know why he's got it to begin with. But regardless, I don't know. <laughs> he's got a thing. And Every, everybody's got something to fence, right? So he's got tar, and Superman throws him in the tar thing, goes to find the boys, and proceeds to just remove the boys from police custody as they're about to be arrested because Superman knows better than the cops, doesn't he? We will see that all through the next six issues. Is cops are well-meaning but don't actually know what to do, right? So because Superman, a real man acts, right? Superman's collecting all of his young men friends. And gets them all into a location and says, guys, you should really not be doing this. Don't you hate doing crime? And some of them are like, yeah, I get a little scared. I don't like the cops, you know, being bad guys. And one of them goes, yeah, this isn't our fault. We, it's Gimpy's fault. We should go get Gimpy. He set us up. So they're about to go get Gimpy, but Gimpy's about to get them because he's hiding somewhere with a gun. About to with shoot, a rifle. With a rifle. Like a, real, like a real gun, not just like a pistol. He's got a rifle. He's about to shoot at these boys. Man, hears the shot, races and catches the bullet, stops one of the boys from getting shot. Then throws Gimpy like a football some distance away into a river. And I'm thinking Gimpy's dead just from hitting solid water. You know, just the solid water surface that high. Because he looks like he's flying over trees and over buildings a distance. And I'm like, you know what? Any man being thrown that hard and that high, hitting the surface of water, is either very injured or very dead. Like, he, he is presumably not hitting, like... Uh, straight up and down, he's not purely vertical, so presumably there's not all of that impact concentrated in one area. But he's he's coming in neck first, and he is he has gone far enough to do the Team Rocket Sparkle. Yes, he has, he has, and we never see Gimpy again. I'm going to say Gimpy's dead. Superman proceeds to scare the boys straight by just jumping with them again, like he is wont to do and scare people. He's jumping on stuff, and the boys actually aren't uh, too perturbed by this. They actually think it's kind of cool. It's, it's like Drop Zone. Right. He respects their guts, and then here's a small newsy boy shouting that a cyclone has uh, destroyed an area and left hundreds homeless. Superman hears this, goes to the newspaper, purchases one, presumably as Superman, and comes back and says, Hey guys, I've got an idea. 
Tell everybody who lives in the slum that you live in to leave their homes, grab what they can, and to stand outside of them. Why? Because Superman's about to just cause massive amounts of property damage so that the government will rebuild them nice areas to live because that's what the government does after Superman breaks shit. Okay. So, for the record, like, this is straight up, he is clearing, not quite down to foundation, but he's definitely... He's flattening neighborhoods. Exactly that. And... and Artillery couldn't do better. Well, specific, actually, artillery would they bring in, They do bring worse. in, like, the, the military air detachment. They bring in the National Guard. They're yeah. trying to stop him, and he's allowing them to hit around him because it would help clear the buildings more quickly. Which is not how that works. Just ask the Nazis at Stalingrad. Yes. So, but... he does a lot of property damage for a quote-unquote good reason. So good of a reason that the, go- that the police chief says, Hey, tell your readers we're going to spare no expense trying to get this guy. But I think he's A-OK in my book. And I'm like, you don't tell that to a reporter. Because <laughs> Clark is the guy getting this story later yeah. from, from the police chief. And I'm like, you don't tell a reporter that. You don't tell anyone that. You tell your wife that, maybe. But you don't tell anyone that. So that's the end of the issue. That's the end of the issue. They, they rebuild and they do have the... Uh... They have high-rise apartments built, and they do look nice. Yeah. Uh, go through this, and then I've got a thing. Um, hey, kids, you want to see stuff really well? Just stare at stuff for a while. <laughs> if you want supervision, and you don't want to hire a babysitter or an adult, you, it's two steps, guys. Really easy. This is how you get Superman telescopic vision. First, glance at a distant object. Second, glance at a close object. Repeat procedure. Or, if you're like me, buy new glasses. Buy new glasses, or get a babysitter. That works too. <laughs> <laughs> supervision. I have to admit, you're on a bit of a roll today. <laughs> Just a bit. That one. That one's not even mine. Sorry. That's, right, a, that's a right. good. That's an old cartoon joke. Anyway, continue. Fair you enough. wanted to. So initially, when I read this, I thought it was the stupidest thing ever, because I mean, I'm going to use the modern comparison. He is himself a walking Katrina in the hope that FEMA will build a better New Orleans. Yeah. That is what happens here. Hopefully, we well, have the money to do that in the 30s. So, initially, I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. But this is only casual Wikipedia research. It's worth noting, so please do take it with a grain of salt. But from what I'm reading, it sounds as though... This is actually a little closer to a correct course of action because apparently that period of housing projects that were initiated as part of the New Deal were actually pretty solid. Uh, I think I remember learning things about Henry Wright back in the day. His architecture for specifically low-cost housing was actually pretty good. And if I'm remembering this right, a bunch of rich people said, "Yeah, you know what? You made those for uh, low-income housing, but we like it. So it's ours now. We're buying it. But apparently, one of the key issues that the housing projects had at that point was they weren't able to acquire the land Hmm. to build new housing developments. So it seems as though by actually knocking it down, I mean, he's put made a bunch of people homeless for a goodly while. Yeah. But... Maybe it might actually work. We don't know. But, but don't, the, it's it's a noble thing for the right reasons, and God bless him for trying. But come on, man, there's and, that's a lot of that's a lot to do. And there's a particular line. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Summoned by fleeing terrorized slum inhabitants, fire trucks and police patrols swerve into the destructive zone. Whatever he might think he's doing, he is scaring the shit out of people. Oh, yeah. Clark Kent is the worst. Yes. He is effectively a very, very bad man currently. 
Yeah. Whatever his motives are, he's really bad at communication. Right. And other people have emotional pain as a result. Right. So, at this point right now, it is Action Comics number 9, February 1939. Superman is again going to be plagued by the police. But in this time, it's Clark Kent's in the police chief's office, and he's listening to an address by the police chief that he's hired this guy, Captain Riley, a cop with a 100% record of... (laughs) Of just collars. This guy is just, like, the best, apparently. And it's hilarious. He's gonna he's gonna come in and he's gonna get Superman. Clark is like, okay, sure. <laughs> this guy thinks that Clark is calling him out. He says, hey, guess what, Buster? I'm gonna catch Superman in two days. You just watch. Superman uh, goes back to the Daily Star where some of the other reporters are talking about how Clark just kind of folded under pressure because Captain Riley got in his face. And as Clark is supposed to do, he kind of acts very meek when he gets c- confronted by people. Lois... Says that she despises him, which is just very mean. And a reminder, uh, we have recorded a discussion with uh, Arden Lee, uh, who is a... A relationship person who can tell us more about relationships than we would have from both perspectives. She's got some very interesting insight. Lois goes on to explain, however, that um, she's met a real man. And she's in love with him. Clark says, who? Superman, of course. Clark has to leave and contain his laughter because he thinks this is the best. And I'm like, that's going to be hard for you, bro, because she's in love with the other part of you that you're never going to show her. You know what this is? This is the first half of the Catbug mini-sode, Drama Bug. Yes. You're, you're right, <laughs> Bravest Warriors. You're correct. <laughs> so, uh, back at the police station, Captain Riley is taking his sweet time to capture Superman. He's trying to think of something to do, and the police chief says, bro, get off your ass do your job. Captain Riley tells the Daily Star that there's going to be a $5,000 reward for Superman that the police will put up. What a jerk! Kind of signing the cops to have this reward put up. Who pays for it? I don't know who pays for this. I don't know who's going to bring the money. The, the police chief is obviously very pissed off about this. And really says, hey man, I don't work unless I see a huge bounty on somebody. What an asshole. There's dubious ethicality about... Captain ha- Riley and everything he does. Well, that as well. But uh, cops being able to claim bounties... There are apparently rules. It's a really nebulous gray area, but one way or another, this guy's a dick. Yeah, this guy's a dick. Um, However, another uh, private detective, Mortimer Snoop. What a jerk. Snoop and Riley are going to be a comedy routine, but I can't figure out which one. Are they Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy? I can't Probably closer to Laurel and Hardy. Uh, Fat guy and tiny guy. Uh, However, Superman, uh, rather Clark, hears about a mental patient who's going to try and commit suicide... Clark zooms into action to go and try to save the man. Snoop notices that Superman's nearby because he apparently was near the mental institution where this man was. Calls uh, the police station, says, hey, I have Superman. I want to collar him. Of course, Riley gets the telephone, hears about it, goes and rushes to see it himself. Riley and Snoop meet. They get into an argument about who is in the right and who gets to collar Superman. Riley, of course, wants to take all the credit. Snoop wants just some of it so that he can get some of the reward. Meanwhile, Superman is saving the man from killing himself, like a superhero should. So Clark Kent uh, goes back to find his clothing, but finds out that Mortimer, Snoop, and Captain Riley have found his clothes. They believe that's obviously Superman's civilian attire, and they're waiting it out to wait for Superman to come back. So he's just kind of sitting there watching these two jerks. He's like, this is good. And the whole time, they're just doing everything they can to screw each other over in the most incompetent way possible. They're doing the whole, oh, I'm going to leave because apparently this is a false lead, uh, red herring. And they both do like, 
can the double ba- the walk double around back. side and then look and see they're both still there. Right. It's it's kind of sad. So they, <laughs> they chase each other off, but of course, Snoop was the only smart one to actually search Clark's pockets and finds a note that Clark is supposed to be at this place at a certain time to cover another event. Snoop, this time, gets the bright idea to call the newspaper because he's going, hey, I'm smarter than Riley. I won't call the cops again. So he goes to the newspaper, calls them, and says, hey, can I speak to the society editor? Uh, Lois is there covering for her and she hears Superman's going to be at this location I need a reporter to help get me in I promise to give you a scoop as I cash Superman Lois of course who is not okay with these guys trying to capture Superman says of course I'll show up goes to the party because she wants to meet Superman and promptly leaves Mortimer Snoop to get dealt with by the the doorman in a very dickish move but good it's, for her for it's being... beautiful I fucking love Lois and especially the the way the art is drawn she just walks right past him like hey is this where they are this is the party it's right here she just walks right past him it's not a close guy yeah I don't me. know who that guy is but apparently the doorman knows her <laughs> Snoop of course now forced to talk to somebody he he doesn't want to calls up Riley and says hey look we're gonna find this guy I want I want in on this action Riley says sure yeah whatever they get to the place. Lois and Clark start talking about whether or not Superman is actually there. Riley and Snoop kind of cordon the area off because Riley technically is a police captain. Say, okay, everybody, we're going to stop until everybody's searched and we're going to find Superman. Clark is getting kind of scared because they're working their way down the line. This is like the first time we've seen Clark slash Superman actually threatened. Mm-hmm. He's getting nervous. Yeah. Uh, what eventually occurs is Snoop is trying to say, like, hey, look, I'm going to get my stuff, aren't I? And Riley, of course, says, no, you little worm, you're not going to get anything from me. Snoop is pissed off, says, screw this guy, turns the lights off, and <laughs> Clark changes into the Superman garb and is now promptly there, standing there, waiting for both guys to try and catch him. They jump at him and they get knocked out by running into Superman's bodaciously awesome strong body. And they're out like light. Superman bounces, and Lois watches wistfully as Superman has evaded capture. And that's it. That's the end. Can we agree that the Daily Star wastes way too much space on headlines? Yeah. There's a really big page here about 99% Riley leaves town in a hurry to attempt to capture Superman of failure. It is four lines of headlines. That's like a full sentence, which I was told never to do. Never. In school. Action Comics, number 10, March... 1939. This is a very interesting episode. This is the one where they talk about Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. You said episode. Damn it! (laughs) Damn it! Everyone take a drink. (laughs) Superman is in his Daily Star office. He's talking to his uh, editor, who has told him that he's gotten a hot tip from somebody who says he's got the story of the century. Superman goes to the location, finds this guy who tells him that he used to be in a chain gang where he has been whipped terribly, shows him the scars. He says, I am the noted criminal Walter Crane. I have a story to tell you. Superman writes the story of this terrible work camp where there is, uh, where they have prisoners and they're being treated terribly. They're whipped. They're they're put in sweatboxes. It's not okay. Very akin to a plantation. Yep, it's white plantation. It's not okay. This it, is a, there's a lot of sub- I, subversive racist text here, and we're not well even too much on it. Purely I don't because know if it's, it's necessarily. Uh, there's probably not a racism aspect in this particular story, although. But it's very but, reminiscent of Wild Westy stuff. I have more things to say about specifically. This is an instance of chain gang uh, and chain gangs and penal labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have some things to say later on, although they're half-formed thoughts. My suspicion is that this is a severe whitewashing of the chain gang experience because yes. I imagine that the vast majority of chain gangs were very heavily uh, people of color because that was because systemic racism. Yes, uh, but. I think this particular story is a little bit less of 
trying to be allegorical for Plantation and more, hey, Chain Gangs fucking sucked at this point. Absolutely. They were terrible, terrible, terrible things. And as part of our wrap-up for this issue, that's one of the things I want to get into. Right. So, uh, the Chain Gang uh, in this area, I believe it's called Cory Town. Mm -hmm. Cory Town has this terrible Chain Gang led by this awful, awful man, Wyman, who it looks like a, a cowboy without his hat. Wyman proceeds to whip a prisoner for just slacking off. We just basically are seeing this guy as a terrible, terrible person. The governor shows up showing Wyman the newspaper saying, Hey, is this true about how you run your business? Wyman proceeds to show him all the prisoners who refuse to speak up because they're too scared of Wyman. They don't say anything about how he treats people. Specifically, if, I don't think they say anything. No, they don't. And the governor just thinks that's okay. Right. So... The governor fooled Wyman decides to go up to the city. He gets into an argument with Clark. Clark does the one thing a reporter should never do, which is reveal his source. Everyone in the office Specifically, hates Clark. he is threatened with prosecution, and Clark just folds. buckles. He folds and tells him that Crane is his source. Everyone in the office thinks Clark is a sellout. Clark, however, goes back to his editor and says, Look, I want, I want Wyman to think that he's okay and he's gotten away with this so that I can find more evidence and have pictures and proof to show how bad Wyman is. And the editor says, hey, man, this is a gamble. But if you do it, you do it right. So he sends Clark off to go see, you know, if this guy is truly doing what he's doing in a really Wild West area, very deserty. It, it feels like that. But I want to go back through. I can't necessarily fault the plan, which is essentially... It's Clark, terrible. Clark is going to be embedded. Mm -hmm. uh, and the price of getting Clark embedded and having this guy... Uh, Wyman think everything is situation normal, he'll keep being just as cruel as normal. In order for that to work, Clark lets Crane, uh, Crane be recaptured and gives him up, and also takes all of the abuse from his uh, newspaper colleagues. Once again, first off, Clark Kent is the fucking worst. Second off, he's especially the worst at communication. It's not a bad plan, but Crane seems like a good guy. Mm -hmm. If you said, look, he's it's just going to be a couple days. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, we all, we've all seen Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. We, we all know that people involved are not necessarily the worst people. Uh, but he was willing to tell the story to Clark when he assumed he would be protected. He seems like the kind of guy who'd be like, hey, if you promise to break this story as soon as possible... I'll, I'll take a bullet and be recaptured. Mm -hmm. All of the newspaper colleagues that Clark had, if he's like, hey, here's the deal, I worked this out with uh, Crane, and we're going to do this, they'd be like, okay. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he keeps the card so close to his chest, the only person he tells is his editor. Clark Kent is awful at communication, and as a result, is selling people up the river and letting pe getting people to hate him for doing awful things, when in reality, all he needed to do was say, hey guys, uh, I'm doing this, work with me, I believe in us as a team. Same deal earlier with the uh, flattening the whole slums, hey, don't be scared, I'm going to knock this down, everybody get out first. Right. Clark Kent is the worst, partly because he's so bad at communication. Right. Superman plays dress-up again, dresses up like a normal civilian now, because he's no longer Clark Kent, and he purposely crashes into Wyman's car to get into a tussle with Wyman so that he gets thrown into jail in Corytown. Can we bring back the term fliver? Yeah, we can. Also, Tin Lizzie. Oh, yeah. Those are some good, those are some good car jargons. <laughs> I like it. So we're going to bring that back. Clark crashes his fliver into Wyman's Tin Lizzie. That's gross sounding. <laughs> He gets sent to Corytown and, and effectively just makes them all really frustrated that none of the tortures are bothering him because he's Superman and nothing gets on his nerves because he's too strong or too durable for any of this nonsense. That night, Crane tries to escape 
and Superman has to change into Superman garb while he's taking pictures of all the stockades and things like that that are in the town um, to save Crane, who has been shot and is running away. Crane gets trapped in some quicksand. Superman has to save him, fight off some bloodhounds, and he doesn't hurt the bloodhounds. Mainly, he just like lets them bite him and then just effectively runs away. Well, he does actually throw one into a bog. Into a quicksand. That's now a body it's, count. Well, it's unclear because factual quicksand, at least for humans, you you can work your way out. Uh, apparently, you won't sink below like waist height. Hmm. Uh, but I mean, for then a dog, you're, you're, that could be problematic. Uh, it might be because that's I think somewhat uh, surface density. So hmm. a dog may have a, lo- a higher resting point. But also, apparently, the real issue is if you're cut caught in quicksand, you know, you need to work a while to get out of it. Uh, say the tide comes in and you're in a tidal flat. That's Oops. the real issue. Oops. <laughs> But anyways, maybe body count, maybe, maybe dog count. Yes, maybe dog count. Also, maybe person count, not quite, but he grabs Crane, who has been trying to escape, who does not know the plan, and takes him back to the camp where he is immediately flogged. True. Uh, Crane is, Superman takes him back because he's like, well, you can't have escaped, and if you escape, they're going to kill you. So he brings him back to the prison. Uh, Wyman flogs. Uh, Crane then puts him in the sweat box to suffer, which is basically just a really hot box out in the sun where he has like no room to do anything. It's just like a porta potty with no room. Superman shows up as Superman now, but puts Wyman in the in the sweat box. Shows the governor all the terrible stuff and says Wyman's an awful guy. Wyman confesses, and then everybody's happy. Presumably, Crane goes back to jail though. And uh, Superman's editor says, hey, "Good job. You did a good thing. Everyone likes you again, as much as they used to." Which is not very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, two things. First off... Superman, the strip sensation of 1939 in every issue of Action Comics. Tell your friends! <laughs> I just... I kind of... I feel like there's got to be a burlesque act. Superman, the strip sensation. Of course. Is that like... Is that like Star Tours? It's a girl uh, burlesquing out of a telephone booth. You're welcome, whoever does that. Alright. I won't charge you for that idea. Quick bit, um, I need to learn more about penal labor. This is going to be less of... It's a weird sentence. Yeah. I don't know enough to say any kind of commentary. I haven't done all the research. I am just looking at it right now. The amount of that that goes on is weird. Two things. First off, chain gangs, like, not just work gangs, which work gangs are a thing right now, uh, but... Specifically, chain gangs of everybody being chained together. And doing work on, like, a roadside or in, like, yeah. a quarry. Yeah, with specifically chained together. Uh, was actually brought back in Alabama for a year in 1995. Oh, goody. Uh, so that's weird. I'm glad that stopped. That seems kind of inhumane. Also, again, this is a window into me realizing I need to think about something. I did not realize how prevalent uh, prison labor was. For instance... <clears throat> There is a company called Federal Prison Industries, also known as Unicor. No N. Sounds like a very bad villain. <laughs> God, company. you're right. It's a transformer. Oh no. <laughs> Salaries of twenty-three cents to a buck fifteen per hour. Uh, and I did not realize that every single prisoner, uh, everybody who is physically able and is not a security risk, is required to work. I did not realize that was compulsory. I also did not realize that the salary was that low. I also did not realize that, as a general rule, 
Every federal uh, department, except for the Department of Defense and the CIA, is required to go to uh, FPI and Uni- slash Unicor for things that they could buy before going to other companies. So, to some degree at least, say, the Department of Education, probably, I'm assuming, we have to buy from them first unless we can show a really good reason not to. I need to do more research, but this weirds me the fuck out. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting forced purchase situation. Yeah, they call it the mandatory source clause. Congratulations, listeners, you learned about that. Alright, and one other thing I do want to say... I like these issues of Superman goes undercover and solves the thing. That is I find cool. them interesting. I also Those are more think, fun than him just being right and doing things. Yeah. I also think that sci-fi, get on this, or Sifi or whatever. <laughs> Reboot Quantum Leap accepts the character who's jumping between bodies has superpowers. Because that's what this is. It's, he dresses up as a coal miner with superpowers. That's interesting. That would be cool. I'd watch that. Yeah. That'd be neat. Yeah, once again, you're welcome. Well, not Quantum Leap, but Action Comics number 11, April 1939. Clark is uh, at the scene of a apparent suicide at a stockbroker company, um, which is Meek and Bronson. The man has killed himself over some shoddy stocks that they hear about. And one of the men in the vicinity says, like, oh, it's your fault he killed himself. You sold him bogus stock. And Clark begins to talk to the man and find out that the stock is pretty much worthless. He begins to investigate later that night as Superman breaks into the offices, reads everything about this, comes up with a plan to buy all the stock from the people currently on it. Spends a lot of money buying up all the stock. Clark apparently has a lot of cash. I, The first person he talks with costs him $5,000. And he goes and talks with people for six hours. Yeah, he's got a reporter's salary that's pretty good right now. Um, so he is buying up all the stock from these individuals, then goes to the Black Gold Oil Well Company, wherever it is, says, hey, I want a job, because he's trying to investigate what's wrong with this place. They go, um, sure, but we're not doing anything. He finds out that, uh, Meek and Bronson have essentially told him not to work, that it was more profitable to sell the stock. Superman waits till night, knocks out a guard, poor guy. Um, doesn't hurt him, he just knocks him out. Mm-hmm. Gets the oil well and begins to drill himself with no equipment because Superman, no, Superman. Well, I, I don't actually actually. Think he's that's using the, the drill. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's just setting it up. Oh, oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, he's just setting it up. He's not doing anything special. He's just doing a day's work. Yeah, he's doing a day's work kind of by himself as Superman. Doesn't really hit any oil. Proceeds to leave to really say, yeah, the stock is worthless. And then the place strikes oil. Cool guys. And, and while walking away, cool guys don't look at oil wells. Exactly. Cool. Cool guys don't look when they strike oil. The people are freaking out. It's like a thousand barrels a day. Meek and Bronson are like, oh my gosh, we're rich. We gotta get all that stock back. Wait, why does one man own all the stock now? Superman is now in a power position. He refuses to sell them the stock because he doesn't think that it's... You know, he's trying to please play in the game. He's mind-gaming these guys. They eventually decide to hire some toughs to kill Superman's character. And what are the names of those two toughs? The toughs are, um... It is Louis the Rat and Nate the Snake. Ooh, wrestlers. I never thought of it that way. Just some I good just thought the names were cool. Superman's then captured by the snake and the rat, and they proceed to try and kill him, but of course they can't because he's Superman. They shoot him a bunch of times, and he ends up beating the crap out of them. Takes them to Bronson's place, throws them on Bronson's doorstep, and you know, with a note that effectively says, "Nice try." Does the rest of the Chinese zodiac decide that they need to get after him? The that? ram and whoever. That would be hilarious <laughs> if, like, the rest of their crew was named after Chinese zodiac people. That would be amazing. An entire gang that's that's based off of the Chinese zodiac. I'd read it. Superman 
then is contacted again by Meek and Bronson who want to buy the stock. He tells them that he'll sell it to them for $1 million, which is probably enough money to make all the money back that he spent buying all this crap. They go, fine, fine, whatever. We'll buy it for a million, even though the stock itself is probably now worth millions of dollars. They think he's a sucker. He changes back into Superman's outfit that night. He breaks into their homes, pulls them out of their beds, brings them to the oil well, and destroys the oil well in front of them. So that's pretty much the end. Superman basically says, here's your comeuppance. I'm going to break these oil wells and you guys are going to get your just desserts and you're going to watch as your fortunes crumble. Superman's made a tiny bit of money for himself, which is kind of interesting. But this is the issue that has Cleveland in it. At the Black Gold Oil Well Company, when they strike gold, they call long-distance operator, get me Meek and Bronson in Cleveland. Clark was there in Cleveland to report on them when he went to their offices mm-hmm. to report on the suicide. Is Superman in Ohio? Ah. Uh, uh, uh? <laughs> because we've seen, like, the yeah. Brooklyn Bridge in a couple uh, other yeah. situations. But apparently right now they're in Ohio. We're just going to gloss over that. That was my one big tidbit for this issue, was apparently Ohio. And I don't think there's really much to say about this other than Superman gives a couple guys their comeuppance of bad capitalism. Alright, I have two things. I'm just still trying to reel back from Ohio. Yeah, you're trying to recover from Cleveland? Yes. So, here is Superman changing into Superman gear, uh, the uniform. But he's putting on... He's got on red briefs does he have red underwear under his red underwear or is that the underwear he wears on the outside of his outfit and he just says like a it's like a belly cut for singular the... singular pants a pant leg each that he just kind of puts on and then a shirt like maybe like does, is it all just velcroed together or strapped i don't know yeah, maybe oh. i don't know that's a good point <laughs> okay that was point right. one the other thing is i've talked and i think you've agreed with uh, Clark Kent is the worst. Yes. So we're, we're in agreement on that. Here is an example of how much worse he is than everything else. So to recap what happened this issue, Superman causes an environmental disaster and puts a bunch of oil workers out of a job by destroying the Derrick to teach two bankers or stockbrokers a lesson. This is imperialist activism at its worst, tone-deaf activism. It's roughly akin, in my mind, to taking the Exxon Valdez, Bane-style breaking it over his knee, and then using the oil to write Time for Change at the Nazca Lines. Clark, you are the worst. Uh, I think you're right. I think that is essentially the equivalent. Because uh. <laughs> it's explicitly like geysering oil oh, it's geyser. everywhere. It's, it's These guys are, are struggling to contain how much oil is coming out of the ground. And then and he, then he start... lights it on fire. Well, not light it on fire. No, oh, yeah, no, he, does. he does. He does. He, he, does. he makes a Molotov cocktail and he blows it up. And it's... Yeah. Yeah, he puts a bunch of the guys out of work. Yeah. Who, for who for the record, this is probably roughly equivalent to uh, the Iraqi army torching the oil wells and how long it took to take care of that and put those fires out. You don't... That's an underground fire at a certain point. It takes months to put that out. Yeah. Way to go, Clark. Yeah. You're not thinking too clearly about this. <laughs> More to the point, this is an instance where the writers did not necessarily think about the environmental repercussions and wrote a thing that looked cool. But, man. Not okay. Not okay. <laughs> Action Comics number 12, the final issue we're going to cover in this episode, May 1939. And there's a rocket ship on the front 
of this is kind of weird. I'm not sure what's going on here, but they just have a little picture of Superman doing, you know, breaking the chains off of his chest. And says, "Also, by the way, Zatar is in this, so it's kind of neat that another DC character is getting a little shout out." So, what's going on in this splash page? It looks like Superman is destroying the Brooklyn Bridge for any reason. Yeah, maybe he's like stopping the suspension thing from going all crazy, but he definitely looks like he's pulling the suspension off of the bridge, which is causing yep. it to collapse. And it's not the, the it's splash not okay. pages by and large are unrelated to one of them the he's stories. like lifting a tank and crushing it or he's jumping over a bus full of people it doesn't really matter it has nothing to do with the story um mm-hmm. unlike the detective comics covers that have batman <laughs> which have something to do with the previous issue right so those are it's really strange right now but regardless superman notices a hit skip victim basically hit and run victim Outside the Daily Star offices, this guy he knows, he calls up the um, mayor of the city and says, Hey, are you doing anything about this terrible driving epidemic in the city? And the guy says, What am I supposed to do? Superman says, I know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to let me handle it. Changes into Superman gear, goes to a radio station, busts his way in, pushes the radio announcer out of the way, and delivers a chilling announcement that he's about to do a war on terrible drivers in the city. Um, From this moment on, I declare war on reckless drivers. Henceforth homicidal drivers answer to me me underlined with an exclamation point then he busts out the wall like the kool-aid man so clark is clark's first stop on his war on homicidal drivers is a lot where they hold the cars of people who've been arrested for bad driving cars no one's using people presumably in jail for bad driving i kind of see his logic here not okay other people's property it's impounded this is police pro- this is police evidence he effectively just wrecks all these cars then, he goes to a guy who sells second-hand cars that are, to apparently, according to Clark, poor material. We don't Flivers. know. Flivers. Which They're is actually correct, because Flivers are cars that apparently have a hard ride. There you go. Flivers. Clark destroys a bunch of Flivers. We don't know that they are. Clark just says that they are. We have no evidence that they are. Clark is just assuming that these are Flivers, rips the crap out of them, and destroys this guy's used car lot. That's, there goes this guy's livelihood. Everyone begins to call the police and the mayor going like, oh my god, what is happening? This crazy guy is going around the city destroying everything. This guy who once destroyed all of our slums is now back for our cars. Right, he won't stop. The kill. Get rid of this madman. So the police don't know what to do. Clark now finds another drunk driver, picks his car up, scares the crap out of him by just jumping him around while he's in the car. The guy is passed out. Admittedly, he was drunk and also having been jumped around by Superman, that would scare the crap out of me as well. He's then hit by a hit-skip driver. Chases the guy down, and then jumps in the back of the guy's car while he's still driving. This is my favorite part. It's him! No, it's his ghost! You left my crushed body back there, twisted and broken. I'll haunt you as long as you drive recklessly. Do you hear? I'll haunt you! He basically, like, goofy style, like, scares these men into driving better. He doesn't even look like a ghost. What, like, hey, we hit a really colorfully dressed man. This is his ghost. That's There's a lot happening right now. I'm going to just park the car and stop. <laughs> Clark then jumps his way to a plant where they make bad metal used for cars. Basically, poor materials for car construction. Says, hey, you're making this worse because your cars aren't safe for people. And destroys the factory. For he's, the record... He's doing more and more damage and more and more property damage as he goes on. For the record, if memory serves, the final stage of capitalism, according to Marx, is the workers shall seize the means of production. Not destroy Not, the means of production. Yeah. I feel like that's... Uh, capitalism or communism? Hmm? Final stage of capitalism or communism? Final, final stage of capitalism. Okay. Yeah. 
Because that's the point at which capitalism fades into uh, ownership of the means of production by the workers, which eventually fades into not having any government because it itself is unnecessary. Got it. I so that's the case. As this is happening, Superman races back to the to the radio station where they have remarkably rebuilt that wall in record time. I might say there's a guy with a trowel and everything going. Oh, good, good as new. Busts through the wall and another psychic. Oh yeah, <laughs> and. Takes the radio announcer again away, lifts him up and says, Just thought I'd drop in, folks, and remind you that I'm dead earnest. And then leaves. He chokes out the radio announcer and then holds him over his head. They do. What a, did this announcer ever do? I don't know. They do a Family Guy, the family guy style recurring gag of him busting through the door, someone fixing it, going, Ah. And then he busts back through it. Regardless... Superman then sees a reckless driver being pulled over by a cop. The reckless driver tries to bribe the cop. The cop sees Superman and proceeds to deck the reckless driver going, how dare you bribe an officer of the law because he's scared Superman will beat him up. And that's the end of that scene. Yeah, that's it. It cuts to a different thing. This is portrayed as a good thing that Superman is encouraging violent police traffic stops. (laughs) And then the next Uh... thing he does is he finds a curves ahead dangerous sign. And proceeds to carve out an entire portion of a mountain so that the cars can drive straightly through. That is the most lawful, neutral thing he's done this entire issue yes. is is make safe passage for cars that can, harms no one. Can some? Can you just do that all the time? We don't have the tech to do this. Oh, Superman! Oh, wonderful champion of the oppressed! Can you build us a tunnel? Um, eventually, the mayor is just fed up and says, "I'm I'm through with this." Gets in his car, starts driving really fast. Superman finds him, pulls him out of his car, takes him to the morgue where all the victims of homicide, of, of vehicular homicides and vehicular accidents are and just forces him to look at it. And the guy has a come-to-Jesus moment and says, I'll never do this. You know, I'll, I'll fix everything, I swear. Superman changes back into his Clark Kent clothes, drives back to work, starts getting berated by his editor because he wasn't around to take a Superman piece for all the nonsense that Superman had been doing all day, goes outside, and a police officer is there writing him a ticket. And he says, gosh, it worked. That's that's what you're taking away? That, you getting a ticket is not what I would call you winning your war against bad drivers. Also, that's all overshadowed to me because, hey, look, Batman. Even aside from that, what overshadows it for me, let's actually take a step back. First off, yes, we are ending right as the, the final chronologically. Panel, the final panel has the new thrilling adventure strip starts in the May issue of Detective Comics. And it has a big picture of the first outfit of Batman. Yes. Let's go back a bit. So you mentioned he takes, and the car is going very fast, specifically 90 miles an hour, if you mm-hmm. look at the speedometer. Correct. Uh, uh, you're right. Speedometer. And he grabs the guy and jumps out of the car. That Where car is that is, car going? I think we Where have to that give car him a ding. Going? That's a ding. That hurt, that hurt somebody. Yeah. Somebody got hurt and killed by it's that. It's going 90 that's miles an hour in count. New York. That's a body Or count. New York-ish. Or Cleveland. Or... <laughs> Nothing against Cleveland. I just don't know anything about it. Other than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Is there? But yeah, yeah but presumably, that, presumably yeah. this is in a metropolitan city and that car is just driving 90 miles an hour willy-nilly somewhere. He just killed someone. Yeah. Or a car accident occurred which put somebody in a hospital. Anywho, that's the last story we're going to cover this episode. Um... I think that the takeaway from this is Clark Kent is just the worst. Especially at communication. That's a lot of Communication and, and his uh, mission statement. Yeah. Clark Kent is a guy who means really well, but refuses to tell people his plans for the sake of his own secret identity, as well as 
doesn't communicate his thought processes to people to ensure that his plan goes off without a hitch. Yeah. He winds up hurting a lot of people because of that. And it's also, that that last issue, especially with uh, the war against bad driving, that is the ultimate example of what I talked about last week, the, the power action fantasy of all you have to do is do something and be strong enough and everything will turn out better. That's the ultimate example that, of it for me. It's it's the don't think about the consequences, just go. Don't look back, just move forward. Yeah, and by doing so, everything will work out. Because no one else has the courage or conviction to do anything, and by doing something, you are guaranteed to make the world better. Move because forward. you are an action man. Truly a man of tomorrow. Because he clearly doesn't think about what's happening today. He's always <laughs> thinking about what's going to go on the next day as a result of his actions. Well done. Well done. <laughs> it's, it, it, took, it took a bit. We got there eventually. But he's the man. he is a man of tomorrow. Don't worry. It'll all be better tomorrow. I, I am fixing the future this for I am, the future. The future I am creating is objectively better than what is currently happening today. It's a really good way of looking at that. And also really damning. Yes. It's, it's an American idea. Or how people perceive America yeah. is us doing stuff because we know better, as opposed to people who think about their actions and think about the global scale of what they're doing mm-hmm. and how it would affect other people than just themselves. It is very and, much and specifically he is a man of his tomorrow, not looking at. He's, yeah, he's a man under- of he's a man of his own morals and his own code, thinking about what would be best if he did it, mm-hmm. and what he's thinking is best. Clearly, sometimes works but may or may not be best it is nebulous and moot and it's weird it's something we're not used to seeing is careless clark oh not even slightly this is this is not the same character no which is interesting because this is effectively a year yep a year into superman he is less like himself than Batman is a year into his own book. Heck, Batman, I think, solidifies reasonably well at, into a version of Batman by the eight months mark, I want to say. Probably. Uh, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe a year. I feel like right, so- right about the time when you have Robin, because he's starting to get there by nine months. Right. And then by the time Robin arrives is when it's clearly, here is a version of Batman. I feel like Superman is trying to be too many things. I don't know about that. I think he is so reduced. Like, I've t- I talked last time about him being a man of a few verbs, but really big ones. I, no, I feel more it's like they're trying to write him doing too many things and trying to stand for too many things, that it's coming out mixed. Hmm. The signals are, are being heard, but they're mixed. And we're not getting the full effect of what they want. Hmm. Like, they're trying to make a truly American man or a righteous individual and a crusader, hmm. but all they're making is a guy who seems to be doing what he thinks is best, as opposed to objectively good things like stopping criminals. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Um, because even even what he is doing, yes, he is stopping drunk drivers, he, he stopped a war, he plucked up a dam, he hurt these, these guys who were trying to you know make a circus be very dangerous, uh, these guys who would have probably killed someone on a football field. Like, he's stopping bad people, but on a scale of Batman... No. Like, the Scarlet Horde is almost objectively a worse villain group. Even, even I, I think strange. we can set them aside because, specifically, the Scarlet Horde is such a different okay, villain. Well, Hugo but Strange, Strange is Hugo Strange, Strange, the Valor. Joker, mm-hmm. those are individuals who are committing crimes on a mass scale. Superman They're doesn't get... Mass. Well, 
mass enough that there would, no. that there would be multiple people at a funeral. Let's put yes, it that way. That, that, that is very true. Um, Superman, I don't think we'll get that until we get to the ultra-humanite issue. I wonder if they saw the success of Batman needing villains, and they thought about something for Superman to have, to have a guy who is an antithesis to him. Or at least just someone that he can butt up against. That sounds right. I would also be curious to know whether the other media, uh, the cartoons, the daily newspaper strip, I'd be curious to know whether they were the first ones to say, by the way, Superman is A, goes up against supervillains, B, handles big things, C, is unequivocally good. It would not surprise me in any way, shape, or form if the first time we see Superman as truth, justice, and the American way is when it's in the newspapers, right alongside whatever the 1930s equivalent is of the family circus. Right. I think you're right. And as a quick note, uh, just a reminder, uh, we brought this up earlier, but next episode, we believe we are going to be getting to our interview uh, discussion with Arden Lee. It'll be a longer episode than normal, Mm -hmm. um, because it will be a full interview. We'll try and edit it up so it's a little bit more concise. We do go some places that aren't dealing with currently the heroes we have, Superman and Batman. So we will try and make it a little bit more condensed, but we're going to try and keep as much of it in there as possible because there's some really, really good, there's some really good stuff uh, that she Arden, is super smart and yeah. a very valuable perspective. Yeah, she she brings up a lot of really good points and a lot of interesting uh, connections outside of comics. So it's going to be some really interesting stuff. We hope you guys like it. Um, but that will be next time on the DC Detectives. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr pages. Visual aids, episode notes, and more can be found on dcdetectivespodcast.com. Superman's eccentric targets for his off-brand of justice were as pathetic as the clowns of the circus he helped. Lois Lane seemed to be the only person in this town who was what she said she was. Trudging through the streets of Cleveland, we decided that instead of tackling this man of tomorrow by ourselves, we'd need some help. I'd put out a few calls drop her name or two at the local spots and wait till we got a bite from someone who could save us from this alien masquerading as a beloved comic icon. I only hope they find us soon. <laughs>